today on Podcast by the Bay. My eyes and viewpoint um, from governance and managing the city, this is the most important city infrastructure pro- project that uh, we will tackle in the history of the city since, since it was built. That, that's how imperative it is. City Manager of Foster City, Kevin Miller, discussing the importance and fundamentals of the upcoming levy project. Of city staff, of our consultants, there's, there's nobody better. There's second to none. Um, and it will, it will result uh, uh, in a successful levy construction pro- pro- project and, more importantly, uh, a successful bond issue that will be brought forward in June of 2018. Also, Jeff Manetta public works director discussing the details of the levy project. We, we are not eliminating lanes of traffic at all. All traffic will be maintained and we're constructing improvements that meet ADA requirements. All coming up on this episode of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at highwaysoul.com slash podcast by the bay and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. Liberty Realty. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, another podcast by the Bay. Welcome to Podcast by the Bay. Today is December 12th. 2017, um, I have a great opportunity to interview Kevin Miller, the city manager. He's worked for the city of Foster City for over 33 years, and he's almost going on his fourth year as city manager. Also have an opportunity to talk to Jeff uh, Mondea. How, how do we say pronounce it? Moneta. Moneta, okay. And he is also in the public works department. He's the director. And you've been with the city for how long? Three years. Three years. Great. He's a great guy to work with. We're going to hear and focus on this uh, podcast on the levy. Uh, as you know, uh, Thema has told the city of Foster City that we need to bring our levy up to standards under FEMA level. And with that, I'm going to introduce Kevin Miller, and Kevin's going to kind of lead us through the history. What I would kind of like to get the public orientated, how long has the levy been in this position, and uh, what do we really need to do to bring it up to standards? Thanks, Patrick. Um, what I'd like to do in just opening is I think when um, we started to talk about the levy project uh, in public and bringing the public up to date as a city, city manager, one of my points was that, and I really want to reemphasize this, that from my eyes and viewpoint um, from governance and managing the city, this is the most important city infrastructure pro- project that... Uh, we will tackle in the history of the city since, since it was built. That, that's how imperative, it is, how imperative it is that we move forward w- with this project, which we're moving forward on, and, and complete it to assure that Foster City is not placed in a flood zone 
and uh, the ramifications of that would be disastrous, uh, disastrous financially for all the residents of this community, all the businesses of this community, and uh, uh, its threat and risk to our infrastructure for public safety. So with that said, I, I have not wavered from that position, again, to the importance of the levy project. Sort of Can I ask one question, yeah. Kevin? Kevin, uh, the, uh, the levy project you guys have been working on for at least almost three years now. Been and, over three years. And, when, uh, we, when we were first notified by FEMA that, uh, that our levy had lost accreditation or would lose accreditation in, re in relationship to uh, uh, their standards and that uh, we would be placed in a flood zone unless we took the appropriate uh, steps to uh, improve the levy and uh, maintain that accreditation. The, the key to this is that in FEMA's discussions with the city and the director of public works that we had to be able to demonstrate we were making progress and engaging with the appropriate agencies and taking the appropriate steps uh, to show that we would make those improvements to stay out of a flood zone, and they've agreed to do that, and they've kept that promise. I want to recognize that almost two years ago, uh, Kevin orchestrated a meeting um, with just about every agency under the sun. Yeah. Uh, we had Congress people here, we had senators here, we had assemblymen here, we had people from FEMA, we had people from the Corps of Engineers. So. He's put the uh, footprint, so to speak, on the ground that we really need to take care of that levy. So with that, Kevin, go a little bit further. And you said you Sorry. wanted to introduce Jeff. I, I think that was important, Patrick, because when that meeting was set up through our office with, with the Director of Public Works, Jeff Modana, there was over 21 regulatory agencies present at that meeting in relationship to wanting to understand what we were going to do, how we were going to approach it. Um, asking for assurances that they would be kept in the loop as we as we actually planned and designed the levy, uh, which was important because we're well on our way to that. We're at a 60% design right now. We'll be submitting for regulatory permits by February. Jeff, in his role as the Director of Public uh, Works, closed that loop just last month when we met with them again. Um, the regulatory agencies, our federal, our, our federal uh, uh, leaders, Jackie Spear, Jerry Hill, Kevin Mullen, um, Dave Pine, uh, all there to just reconfirm uh, where we were going and, and our approach in regards to levy design, meeting the requirements of BCDC, FEMA, and those regulatory agencies. So uh, we've been very thorough uh, in our approach. We've been very detailed in our analysis. And before I turn it over to Jeff to sort of take us through the history, I absolutely believe that the team that Jeff's put together of city staff, of our consultants, there's, there's nobody better. They're second to none. Um, and it will, it will result uh, uh, in a successful levy construction pro project and, more importantly, uh, a successful bond issue that will be brought forward in June of 2018, general obligation bond to pay for those improvements. So with that, I'll turn it over to Jeff if he wants to provide per perspective as to what we've been dealing with over the last three years and getting this project done. Thank you, Kevin and Patrick. I'm Jeff Monetta, your Public Works Director, City Engineer, and I, we've been working on this project since 2014. So when we were first notified by FEMA that the levy was deficient, we met with FEMA staff and their consultant engineers to determine what the impact was to our city. 
we hired Chef and Wheeler to take a look and shoot some elevation shots and try to get a, a grasp of what the scope of work involves, where are we deficient and what the extent of that deficiency is. So in meeting with FEMA, we presented our data, wanted to make sure we're all on the same page, and we met with their consultant, AECOM, and that was at their headquarters in, in Oakland. And since that time, uh, we, we confirmed that five miles of the eight miles were, were deficient, and we need to raise the levy to meet FEMA requirements. You know, we mentioned that we've met with 21 regulatory and environmental agencies, and the permitting agencies we've met with at their offices to discuss the scope of work, make sure we're headed in the right direction as far as our proposed design. And all of that process was incorporated in our preliminary design work. Jeff, do you think you could uh, tell the audience um, the uh, height uh, requirement or what the uh, Foster City is trying to obtain? That we we're trying to build the wall at a higher level for a longer period of time. You want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Uh, so the area where we're, our largest impact is where we have more wave action. So on the Beach Park Boulevard, uh, just no, south of the 92 Bridge area, that's where we witness the most significant wave action and wave overtopping. And in that area, in order to meet FEMA requirements, we, we need to raise the levee about six feet from its current elevation. And that's the worst case. In some areas around the city, we don't have to raise it at all. Um, I mentioned that five miles of the eight miles need to be raised, and three miles are, are sufficient. How and, I, and I, Jeff, I want to point out, too, I, I think, Patrick, that Jeff's done a great job in reaching out to the public to understand, to allow, and, and they, they should go to our website. They, 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 they could go to the website, our microsite, uh, to, to really understand what's going on. Jeff's done a great job in meeting with the public and or demonstrating through our website or in person what that wall will actually look like. There's been comments about the monster wall, et cetera. That is not factual that Jeff and his team have put together what I believe is a great design that takes in, well, first, that, that it meets all the requirements and, and it keeps Foster City safe and dry, but more importantly, it deals with the aesthetics piece of this, which is a very, very important component. If you live in this community, the aesthetics of our park system, our trail system is important. So going back to the just wall. Just demonstrated that very right. well and what that may look like. And, and Can we go back to the height just for yeah. a minute? I kind of wanted to zero in on that because I think what we've done is we brought it to a 50-year standard. Is that correct? Um, the, the way the wall is going to be, is that going to be four feet or two feet? So the, the exposed wall will be no more than three and a half feet. As you're standing on the Bay Trail, adjacent to the wall height, the um, steel sheet piles, they, the exposed wall height will be no greater than three and a half feet. Now we need to raise the levy to meet FEMA. We also need to make sure that we get all the permitting, re, meet all the permitting requirements in order to obtain our construction permit. And in order to do that, we need uh, to design to 2050 sea level rise, which is 15 inches, 15 inches on top of FEMA. So you're saying the highest of the wall at any one location will be three and a half feet? Exposed. Exposed, Exposed. Okay. as you're standing okay. along the Bay Trail. And, and I think what's important, and if you listen to this, a, a picture's worth a th thousand words. I think when you start to see the design, you actually see it, how it's laid out, and you graphically picture it. 
it's much easier to comprehend because when Jeff starts to talk about the numbers of raising it six feet and how they accomplish that, accomplish that widening the trail, just for the layperson, like me, as a city manager, I, I went through those same debriefings by Jeff as an engineer who's pro providing the technical terms. Once people see it, it's that aha moment where they say, oh, okay, I understand that. I can visualize what that means, three and a half feet, six feet. Um, so it's important, Patrick, it's really important that they do take time to go to the website and or call our director of public works directly and say, oh, Well, I would encourage this. the public to do that. I was yeah. fortunate enough to be there at all those things to see the design and uh, a picture's worth a thousand words, and I would, I would yeah. say that's the case. Why don't we talk a little bit about the design since we're really kind of going into that and, and describe to the audience, it's not, or the audience out there, that it's not just a wall. Because if it's my understanding, and tell me if I'm incorrect, it's a hybrid wall uh, that you guys have put together, um, a, not just a wall. So why don't you explain what it is? So the sheet pile wall would have been required regardless of the method of construction, whether we built a block wall or raised the levee with an earthen levee. What we designed, our proposed design includes driving the sheet pile wall, making that a permanent installation, and then on the landward side of that sheet pile wall, raising the earth, so placing fill against that to minimize the site or the visual impacts of that sheet pile wall and leaving it exposed no greater than three and a half feet of wall. And in order to meet the regulatory requirements, we have to widen the trail to meet standards for trail system and that provides an opportunity of better amenities for the bay trail as well is there anyone that has such a wall now that you could you know let the public know that somebody built one just like that so or is this a first time that we're doing a hybrid sheet pile walls have been constructed in other areas and we've actually witnessed the installation of those using the construction methods and it's fairly quiet process but they are installed in other areas and we could provide some examples. They're not exactly what we're proposing, but um, you can get a, an idea of what a, a sheet pile wall installation would look like. Jeff, why don't you talk a little about, too, the fact is as part of this design process, we will, in fact, have the wall in place uh, that, that then keeps us to the standard that would be expected to keep us safe. And that there'll be, so that's the first piece of this, that, that the wall actually will be in place that keeps us out of a flood zone by using this hybrid system, and then you'll see other improvements around that. But I think the first piece of this, you actually get the wall in place that protects us can immediately. They, can they, uh, the audience actually see that wall or uh, rendition of it on the website? Absolutely. Okay. We, we do have some renderings at various locations along the levee system. We have about over 10 tra transects where we try to create the visual simula simulations of the installation, and um, that's available on our website. Okay. Um, the uh, city was fortunate enough to hire an outside agency to kind of do a little poll with the voters. And um, it was, you know, I attended that meeting and also attended the meeting of the results. Um, it was pretty limited, but I understand there's pretty limited amount of people to vote. I mean, the one thing that we really do have now is a general election coming up. Um, were you pleased with the results? I know the results seem to be pretty encouraging, or, or are you still concerned? Well, from my perspective, I was pleased with the fact that people indicated they understood. I think they understood the importance of what they were going to, and, and it did indicate we had support. 
And what's interesting about this general obligation bond for June, we need two-thirds support, which is not easy to get. So saying that, I, I was pleased to see what those initial results looked like that generally um, said we had it. That's good. I, I don't believe polls until after all is said and done. I think that's probably a good approach where we are not going to take anything for granted. And, and, and what was more encouraging for me is that I think we're able to identify where people have true questions and need clarifications on um, not, not so much they, they, if they've taken the time to understand what we're doing, they start to understand what that wall may be. But more importantly, what it's started to come, has come down to is what am I going to have to pay per year um, based on the assessed value of my home? What is flood insurance? Uh, what's the impacts of flood insurance? What infrastructure does it protect? Um, but, but it's really come down to what it's going to cost me. Uh, the taxpayer, what will it cost me? And I think we've done a real good job in defining that as to the true cost based on the assessed value of your home, how it's going to impact, impact residents, how it's going to impact businesses. Um, that's really what's come from the poll. One of the questions that's always been out there with the public is, is how are we going to uh, figure it out for all the new commercial development? What is their responsibility in comparison to a homeowner? So, so... And, and some and, and that information now has been released in, re, in regards to general questions. So, a business owner, although they don't have a vote, a business doesn't necessarily have a vote. The taxpayer has a vote. So, if, if you work, if you work for Gilead and you live here, you'll be able to vote on this general obligation um, bond, but not, for example, Gilead. And the impact to Gilead is significant um, in, re in relationship to, will they pay their fair share? Yeah, they will pay their fair share from a, from a tax standpoint. I think we've, and I'm using Gilead as an example, I think we've estimated their, their, their tax assessment increasing based on a levy bond passing around $700,000 per year. So yeah, they're paying their fair share and they also want to pr protect that infrastructure. They have a significant investment in regards to property development in this community. So um, just like those, the, the, the residents of the community, yeah, business, business is impacted as well for the same reason. They do not want to go into a flood zone and have their assets placed into a flood zone. I would imagine uh, the city of San Mateo as well as uh, Redwood Shores are concerned that we pass this levy. Are, they, are you working with the city of San Mateo and the city of uh, Redwood Shores um, in regards to the levy, or do they pretty much confident that you're going to pass it. They're, watch, they're watching what we're doing. I'll let Jeff talk a little about, because we've, that was the other question we received. Well, why, why isn't San Mateo raising their levy? Why isn't Redwood Shores ra raising their, their levy? Well, there's reasons for that, and Jeff, Jeff can address that, that their levies are cer certified. But I'll, I'll have Jeff answer the, the fact that their le levies are certified and what we're doing in ongoing conversations, so, because they, they are obviously interested in seeing this passed to see us do those improvements. Yeah, San Mateo's levy was certified in 2012, so it currently meets FEMA requirements. Uh, so in regards to sea level rise, that's a whole different story uh, it, to, to address that. And all cities have participated as part of the county vulnerability assessment to evaluate the impacts to these cities based on sea level rise. So as far as meeting FEMA, we, we need to raise our levy to meet FEMA. San Mateo has already raised their levy, and they're currently accredited. 
You know, I, I think I'd, I'd like to get into financing next because I know the, the public are a little bit concerned and then uh, there's a couple of comments that I wanted to make after. But uh, the proposal, is it $60 million now or is it $90 million to... Uh, it's, it's $90 million. We have a, our, our proposal right now, what we're, we're looking at is bringing forward a $90 million general obligation bond to pay for the project. You know, you've got a great uh, brochure here that, that I know is on your website, and it's real informative, and I and I also have seen it in the Islander, which is great. And it was uh, mail, mailed, mailed to the resident. Yeah, I, I did get it as yeah. resident. No, they actually addressed it to me. That was nice. Do we anticipate, um, um, let's assume that the bond passes mm -hmm. um, and that we're all, all good. Um, do we have kind of a float period of feeling that that $90 million may end up being $110 million? So... I, I, in my briefings with Jeff, I think what we've built into the 90, uh, what, with the contingencies that we built in, which we do on every, pro, every project, right, every park project, public works project, you build into a contingency. Jeff, I think, will say is fairly confident um, with that contingency in that amount, that $90 million. I will be uh, speaking with Jeff later uh is there a way to approach um, the, the problem of if it comes in over $90 million, is there a way to approach that uh, without going back to the taxpayer? I think there is. I think my concern and probably the public's concerns, as we know, we've had all the catastrophes um, um, you know, in Los Angeles and Sonoma, and there's a shortage of workers, uh, even people in, as being a professional real estate broker. I realize we can't get competent people because they're all busy. Um, so I'm, I'm just a little bit concerned that maybe we should build in a factor. Do you th um, maybe the 90 million might be 110. I hate to see go back to the voters for uh, more. Again, I don't. Again, I don't think I, I, I'll ask Jeff, but I think I'm very comfortable with the 90 million. And Patrick, one of the reasons the city is in such great shape, and one of the city council policy decisions to maintain. A very very strong reserve is for these reasons that you can take a look at your reserve potentially to help you with cost overruns uh, when you have that type of money um, in your reserves as a city it also gives you maybe um, the, it, the ability to obtain resources a little quickly uh, a little more if I could faster than, if than I others. could ask yeah. a question on that reserve um, that decision to use that reserve would that not be the city council's or would that be your decision it's the city councils. So the city council's already made a decision, and the, the policy direction they've, they've provided us is we have a reserve policy. Um, we are bringing forward a $90 million bond, not and, and we are not using any other resources to, to reduce that. The city's not contributing anything to reduce that, that bond measure. And uh, Well, maybe, I, maybe at this point, this point, I'd like to bring up a question. I, I was uh, fortunate enough to attend or listen to one of our council members uh, made a suggestion that was Catherine Manipur about uh, bringing the uh, bond down from maybe the ninety million to seventy million by uh, putting twenty million in reserve. Is that just a, a nice comment? Nothing uh, is going to anything further with that. So we've provided the city council the analysis on that. They've not recommended to do it um, for, I believe. Personally, I think it's, as a city manager, I think it's good policy directions uh, to not take that money out of reserve for this purpose. If you look at the analysis, the amount it actually reduces your annual payment is not significant. 
Now, I don't want to tell a taxpayer because they're paying $34 less a year. Uh, maybe that, 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 you know, it could potentially reduce, you know, based on your assessed value. We, we have the analysis. Again, we've done it from 279 to 249 a year. Well, I don't think I would question that, but I think what the question came out is saving for, there would be some savings for the city, not just the $34 for the well, for the taxpayer. I think the question is, do you want to reduce your reserve for that purpose? And the city council makes that policy decision, and their decision okay. at this time is no. We are going to reconfirm that. On January 16th, we will be asking them again, since you've heard this question come up as part of our levy outreach, do you want to change your policy direction? Right. And at this time, I've heard nothing and the positive that said yes, but we, we're going to ask them directly. The audience should know that Foster City is one of the only solvent cities during some of the more difficult times because of their fiscal responsibility. So that we're very proud of that. I, I was even told at one time that the, when the city of San Mateo was needing funds for their levy, that Foster City was willing to help them lend some money to uh, So provide. again, I, I would give you a key date on January 16th. The city council will be talking about their general fund policy reserve in 2018, January 16th. And immediately following that, they will be addressing the question again as a policy discussion. Do you want to change your policy direction well, and provide I, any additional reserves towards this bond issue before we come out? There? Right. I, only talking to a couple of the council members, and I can't speak for them, nor will I mention their names. But uh, they both, uh, these both these council people indicated that they would look at that um, as a policy. But, again, that's looking at and being very diplomatic about it. Um, so why don't you explain to the audience, since we've been talking about the $70 million finance and the 270 how we're going to fund it's, it. It's $90 million. $90 million. I'm yeah. sorry. I keep calling it 70 I guess I'm, 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 I'm thinking of one of the council people who wants to bring it down to 70 I, I, Again, I'm going to reemphasize this for you. The city council's policy is $90 million. They've not given us any type of policy direction to change that amount or include in any type of uh, publication any other number other than $90 million. They will discuss that as a policy item again on the 16th if they want to change it. But right now, all our information that we share and the financial assumptions we use is $90 million. Okay, why don't we talk about the bond and what you've done to do that. And, and obviously, uh, Kevin, at a certain point, I forgot what the deadline is, you, um, you, you can't run a political campaign on the bond, and, and I want to inspire the voters to vote, to vote for it. So why don't you tell what, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to get you before the end of the year, and before you can't really talk about it anymore. Yeah, yeah, so that, That's a good point, Patrick. I, I, I think the deadline is March 1st, at the end of February. No, the city can't. So two things. The city staff cannot take an advocacy position to tell you to vote yes or no. Um, we can provide you um, all the information that you request. So any information request, help me explain that. But in doing that, the city staff cannot take an advocacy, yet vote yes or vote no. And what's so the date that you can't do that anymore? March 1st. March. And right now, we've been advised in general, you shouldn't be doing it. You know, again, we've tried to be proactive early, saying... City staff's role not, is not necessarily to go out and, and, and be proactive in telling the taxpayer how to vote. Providing them good information, accurate information, and then let them make up their mind. Um, I 
can tell you the city council can do that, but they've got to do it on their own time, so to speak. That they, they can. don't they have to file the proper paperwork and do that. So too? they can advocate. Yeah. They can advocate. Sure. I think one of their strategies, as well as to seek um, as a as an individual, they can advocate. So they they can do it with their personal funds, but yes, they, they can't do it with city funds and city time. That's great. Yeah, that's they great. Aware that. and, and I think Patrick, what they're going to try to do is go out and seek community support and champions and citizens that support it and, and have those people speak on behalf of it as well. But your city staff, anytime all the way up to June, whatever the, the June election date, it will be available to provide accurate information on the levy project. If people have questions, we can answer those questions. We're having a voting experience and stuff like that uh, in the community. You, most of, at least the elections that we're finding out, you really don't find out all the votes until probably another week or so after. So you're, even though generally speaking, uh, the, the votes you usually see the first 20 percent are indicated of the, the rest of it, uh, might be just down to the little ballot. <laughs> And again, I think that's why, and you're very familiar with elections and the process. As we know, there's generally a lower turnout in June. We're hoping that's not the case. We need to pe we need our community to come out and vote in June, um, become educated on the issue, and, and get in, out and, and, and vote. Because, it, again, it requires a two-thirds vote to pass. And if it does not pass, I've stated this. I'll state it again. It will be disastrous for this. How long? How long? Let's let's just say we're 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 not fortunate enough for it to pass. Um, what is FEMA's requirement of putting us into a flood flood area? Do, can we go back to the ballot box, or automatically are we triggered with flood insurance? I don't know what their timeline is going to be, but as we understand it, we're going into a flood zone, and it's not going to be a matter of well, we'll wait. You want to try again in November, or we will go into a flood zone. And, um, well, I know we've heard that word a lot of times with the government, and what they basically say is just like affordable housing, you have to have an intent to go do it uh, right. and, and have a plan. That doesn't necessarily mean the plan's executed. So um, hopefully we, we're going to pass it here and yeah. uh, coming up, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, we have a couple more questions, and I think we're, we're doing pretty good on time here, I hope, for both of you. Um, I, I, I had an interesting question brought to me, and I'm not going to mention anybody in particular because I know the city's working diligently to solve the problem. Um, is there an easement problem on the levy uh, with the proposed plan? Um, I'm aware that one of the citizens in, in the community feels he has an easement, um, and his easement uh, probably interferes with the plan. Um, That's, uh, so we, we've dealt with that issue, and uh, that is not the case. That, that private property easement does not interfere with our plan, and, in fact, the design has been adjusted to deal with that. And, uh, okay, and with that said, um, I heard that, too, that yeah. same comment. Um, is that true that the plan is going to have to be adjusted on Beach Park and take a portion of Beach Park uh, uh, in order to avoid that person's uh, easement? There's an area by the swordfish area of Beach Park where we need to meet ADA requirements with the ramps. So in that area, we will ramp up in both directions. A portion of street on Beach Park will be um, used as part of our tow of slope for the levee improvements. Um, parking already is not allowed in that area. So um, Jeff, talk to you're not eliminating any. We, we are not eliminating lanes of traffic at all. All traffic will be maintained. 
and we're constructing improvements that meet ADA requirements. If we, um, just a curiosity, um, um, so I'm, I'm assuming that we're, we're, you, what you're telling me is we're working with the easement, we're not interfering with the easement, is that right? That's, That's what correct. you're saying. Okay. Uh, would it be beneficial uh, and cost-effective to save money if you had that right of that easement? Would it be uh, any benefit to the city if that easement was settled where, where the city had the right, right of way to use that easement? I, I, at this point, I'll say no because we've dealt with it. We, okay. We, we, we've addressed it through the appropriate channels, and we're very comfortable with it. It doesn't compromise what we're going to do. It doesn't add any cost to what we're going to do. And we've addressed uh, the questions that were given to us by the property, private property owner, and we are moving forward with without any changes. So okay. And, and that's not going to interfere with moving forward with the levy. Uh, and I know... No, as you know, there was a... There was a CEQA lawsuit that was public. That lawsuit was dismissed, and uh, so we don't have any the CEQA, our CEQA findings were upheld, and we're, we're moving forward. Um, I, I've been a little bit outspoken. Uh, obviously, we don't know what type of catastrophe could happen in Foster City. Um, we don't know whether it's an earthquake. We don't know whether it's a tidal wave. We don't know whether it's a terrorist act for some reason. We. We don't know what happens with Third Avenue. My passion, and I haven't seen the design. Um, I mean, I haven't seen this in the design of the levy. Um, that I really feel that there be, should be some consideration for emergency exit onto the bay. Um, one of the things that I did hear, which was really encouraging, I think I heard it from. I might have heard it from you, Jeff, but I did hear from some uh, city official, which is good because I've been exploring that they were talking about doing hovercrafts out in the bay where you don't have to do any dredging uh, for commuting. But with that said, what can we put in place on the levee or close to the levee if we needed it, like a station, you know, like we have with CERT, as we realize, CERT has a certain location for supplies uh, in case of a catastrophe. I'd like to see something done on the levee. I don't think it's going to be very expensive to do it, but I think it would be prudent. Because if 3rd Avenue is down, Hillsdale is down, Redwood Shores is down, uh, the only exit may be that bay. Our emergency operations plan or disaster relief plan right now does not include any evacuation measures out on the water. Um, that it's been looked at and we believe we would have to take different approaches than getting people on the water. And I will defer to our experts in the fire department and the police department for that analysis and advice, and they provided that, which, which you know. Um, you are correct. Um, we are exploring, for transportation purposes, this shallow draft ferry process, um, and maybe, maybe that opens up a discussion for how else could you use it. But right now we're looking at that hover, you know, it's a, it's a smaller craft. It handles about 40 to 50 people. It's a company called San Francisco Prop. And uh, I think it's a legitimate question to ask that if they ultimately provide that. And this is right now we're just in the exploratory stages. But I think it would be legitimate to ask them that at some point if we had a disaster, would they be a resource to assist in that? I think that's fair. But right now, we do not have any plans to, to evacuate via the water at the East 3rd Avenue site. All right, Kevin, I'd like to give you an opportunity to give a commercial to the people out there. Tell them where the website is. Okay, Jeff? Yeah, if you go on our city's website, it'll take you straight to the link that takes you 
right to the levy improvement project. If you would like to meet with me, uh, I'd be more than happy to meet with you, uh, any member of the public, to discuss any questions. And if you prefer to go out to the field, that has been uh, one of the preferences by some of the community. And I'd be more than happy to meet with you at the levy location site and show you exactly what we plan on building. And, and I'll add, Patrick, Jeff's response right there just, again, reemphasizes our efforts and my interest in being accessible, transparent, and, 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 and helpful to the residents of, of Foster City in trying to understand what this is about. It's not insignificant that your, your tax is going to go up. We get that. We've never argued, hey, what's the big, you know, this is a big deal. You are going to potentially, with the passage of that bond, you're going to be paying more tax. We understand in a time right now and in our own community and government, the last thing people want to see is, is their taxes go up. So we're not playing lie to that, but we've tried to do the best in bringing forward the best financing mechanism, but more importantly, a design and, and a levy improvement that ultimately will protect the interest, the financial interest and assets of our residents, businesses, and community. I want to thank Kevin and Jeff for Podcast by the Bay, two dedicated public servants. It's good to live in Foster City, and remember, get out there and vote next year. Thank you for listening to another Podcast by the Bay. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at highwaysoul.com slash podcast by the bay. And in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. Liberty Realty. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.